Welcome to the Focus Forward Business Podcast from SturdyMcKee.com. Hi, I'm here with Jabez Lebrett, who is a friend of mine from EO years ago and just an awesome entrepreneur person. Really glad to have you here, Jabez, with uh, on, on the Focus Forward Business Podcast. I'm Sturdy McKee, business coach and advisor and your host for the Focus Forward Business Podcast. And thanks very much for being here. Hey, thanks for having me, Sturdy. I'm excited. Yeah, I, I am too, man. So I'm going to let you tell people a little bit more about you uh, and, you know, who you are and what you do, because you've got a couple, a, f- a number of things going on right now. I really like, uh, by the way, the Apple Jacks thing. I thought that was really cool. I know you've got a lot of cool stuff going on, but here, why don't you take it away? Uh, thanks. Uh, you know, I, it's interesting. I think that as entrepreneurs or leaders in general, you find um, sometimes when your world just gets rocked, once you can pick up the pieces and kind of like shake off the dust a little bit, um, you know, things do come back. You, you find pathways and opportunities and, and things that you wouldn't have found or taken before. Um, you know, we were, my wife and I were running a tuition-free boarding high school for underserved girls down in San Diego. And then, you know, um, COVID hit. And for those that haven't uh, heard of that, um, I don't know where they've been. Uh, but yeah, so, so that was, you know, we, we had to close down our school. And, you know, you can't really run a boarding school with a pandemic going on. And our board decided that we weren't going to be able to reopen this year. And, you know, kind of everything spiraled, you know, super fast. And wow. okay. we, you know, spent months just kind of taking care of our students, making sure they were safe and secure and, and winding down program stuff and not the uncertainty of what's going to happen next. And, you know, Becky and I stayed on and kept working. And then eventually we're like, you know, look, this, this may not turn into anything and we might have to go do something else. And so Becky went and uh, started her own thing. And then I started doing some consulting on the side. I think that's what you default to when, when you're like, you're like (laughs) that, when you have that, that, oh shit moment and you're like, what am I going to do? And you're like, all right, I'm going to go and you know, I'm going to go just get some consulting clients and just get a little income coming in. And then next thing I know, I land a CEO role and and a partnership at Applejacks, which is a online tutoring platform to connect credentialed teachers with parents for tutoring. And we do online and in-person tutoring, but we're just a platform to facilitate, you know, the, the, the connection. Right. And it, it really, you know, I, got, I feel really lucky. You know, I, I stayed in education, so I'm still getting to, to maintain mm-hmm. those relationships and help out and, and still be a part of education. And now I have a job, you know, um, running a company. So here we go. Well, yeah. I, I mean, how long has Applejack's been around? Uh, Thirty-six hours. No, I'm just kidding. No. No, uh, Apple <laughs> been around for. A... And you already have 400 <laughs> teachers signed up. <laughs> we we yeah right. Hours. Okay. Uh, that that was crazy. So yeah, no, we've been a company for a little over a year. The platform's okay. only been live since this summer, okay. and so it, it's still in the kind of the almost the beta phase, really. Um, and then, you know, my first week when I, I took the helm, I said, well, we got to get some more users on here. Like, let's go break this thing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we added, you know, several hundred teachers over a weekend and off to the races we go. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of literally did that over a weekend, like 72 hours you got. It was a 72 hour campaign. Yeah. Um, 400 teachers. Cost, cost $0. And uh, yeah, that was a fun one. Wow. Well, I mean, you might want to share with us how you were able to get that kind of buy-in, that traction that quickly. But. Yeah, no, I mean, I'd, I'd be happy to. Um, you know, it was interesting. I, I spent a good week just really thinking about the problem. And, mm-hmm. and, 
that partly came from one of my EO forum groups and we were, we were sitting down and I was talking with a bunch of other business owners and I was like, man, you know what I forgot to do in my last project is spend time thinking like just mm -hmm. quiet time, no podcast on, no, just an hour or a half hour of just walking and just let my mind wander. And I was like, how am I going to tackle this teacher problem and get teachers to want to join our platform? And I was like, oh, I'll run a job ad saying you need to make extra money. Come, we, we got a platform where you can go, you know, you set your own hour, hourly rate, you can come and you can go have access to parents and, and you can do tutoring. Um, you know, we're not an employer, but we can help you get access to work. And in, in, and honestly, that's literally pretty much what the ad said. Like, it was like, I wouldn't say the worst written ad, but since I didn't know like how well it was going to work, I just kind of like, you know, whatever, like, we got this thing. come on, we got this thing over here. I'll bury the link at the bottom. I don't even like really almost like no call to action. And then also just sort of blown up in my inbox. I would have turned off notifications if I had known what was going to happen because then I'm getting hundreds of emails every day. Like every five minutes, another email is coming and people are just signing up like gangbusters. And so awesome. I was like, oh my gosh. And then I started thinking, how else can I use the same concept of I've, if you need access to a resource right, and treat that as an employment opportunity not making me the employer, but treat the access to the resource as an employment opportunity. I'm going to try this in all sorts of other ways to try to drum up leads and business. And well, no, that's great because they're, they're obviously looking for that, looking for something similar and you're kind of providing an alternative that isn't, you know, traditional employment, but um, Hey, this might satisfy your needs kind of deal. Yeah. And I, I think it. you could use it as a targeting for all sorts of stuff, getting your, yourself in, yeah. the, in front of all sorts of companies. Um, the employees of those companies. So, and I haven't figured out how to do that yet, but that's next. No, that's genius. Okay, cool. Um, so how, did, let's go back a ways. How did you get started in business in the first place? What was your first business and why in the world did you <laughs> strike out <laughs> on your own? Oh, oh God. I, uh, when I was in high school, I wanted to open up a espresso drive-through stand. And in this high school? This is in the 90s, it's mid 90s. And uh, there was a latte stand that we used to drive by. And I was like, I wanna, I wanna open up one of those. I was like, that just seems like it's a really cool idea. So my mentor in high school, I was a terrible high school student. Um, I, I didn't even graduate from high school. Um, but I, I was very, very, very fortunate that I had a teacher who he owned two companies and he would do the companies for two hours in the morning and two hours in the afternoon. Oh. Uh, and then he was a teacher. And he just loved to teach. Um, amazing guy, Art Dolan, incredible influence um, in, in my life. And, and he took me under his wings. I cut school a lot and I was almost never at school. And, and he, he said, well, would you meet every Wednesday after class for 20 minutes and we'll talk about business? And I said, great, you know, that sounds awesome. And so, you know, he, he mentored me um, all my sophomore, junior and senior year. And uh, my junior year, I said, you know, I think I got this idea. So he said, write a business plan. I wrote a business plan. He said, all right, well, now you got to go pay for it. And I was like, crap. Um, so I started going door to door because I figured out if I had $25,000, I could probably get a loan. And so I figured, you know, I lived in Spokane, Washington at the time. There's like mm -hmm. 250,000 people lived there. I was like, well, if I could give 1% of the population, give me 10 bucks. I got this thing. So I, I took my little business plan and I made a rewards card. So if you gave me $10, you got a rewards card for a future cup of coffee. 
uh, and and I went door to door, and I just started this is like Kickstarter before there was a Kickstarter. I would have loved Kickstarter. That would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah, would have made a lot quicker yeah. and easier. This is this was me and my kicks, just me and my <laughs> kicks walking around town, and so I just knocked on doors, and like no one would give me ten dollars, right? Because here's this like sniveling, like <laughs> acne covered fifteen year old junior walking around like, excuse me, will you give me ten dollars to invest in my coffee stand? And they're like, buzz off kid, like whatever. I'm not even offering to rake their lawn. I'm not offering to like shovel or anything. I'm like, just give me money. Just give me money. And so naturally they all said, you know, my my one of my friend's dad owned a company and he gave me a check for a thousand dollars. And I was like holy crap, like I can do this. And so I gave it a good another month and I must've knocked on thousands of doors and I raised like 560 bucks or something oh. on top of that. And I, I just realized this just wasn't gonna work that way. Uh, I couldn't, by the time I raised my, my $25,000, I would have been, you know, graduated from college. <laughs> so I gave all the money back. I went and gave the money back um, to everybody. And, and I said, well, that was an interesting idea didn't look to actually do my own business again until after I'd started my first career. So I was in my mid twenties, financial analyst at Nordstrom. I said, all right, time to strike out again and uh, opened up a production company in Seattle doing TV commercials and radio ads. Okay. And why, why was that something you wanted to do at that point? Well, it's a heck of a lot sexier than being a financial analyst. That's for sure. <laughs> but you were at Nordstrom. I was, which is a great company. <laughs> Loved Nordstrom. It, Nordstrom gave me foundationally, my leadership style, like that supportive <laughs> leadership style, the customer service, great yeah. company, loved, learned so much from that company. The open door policy where you could always go talk to anybody, uh, any manager or leader, it was amazing, amazing experience. But after six years of pushing Excel spreadsheets, mm. um, you know, and I, I was responsible for a $33 million P&L, which was pretty big as my first career, like being, I was right. the sole and only financial analyst for the flagship store in downtown. So I was the only one who did all of our variance analysis and AP and AR stuff. And so I just really learned a lot about just how corporate finance works and managing money um, on a larger scale. And so I was like, you know, I knew a guy who ran a production company, but he did it like out of his like closet. I said, I think I can raise some money for us. And we went and raised 500 and geez, 510,000 or something, $520,000 and then started our company. And he was the production side. I was the business side. And then I made every business mistake you could possibly make. I bought like $18,000 jib arms to hold cameras that do these fancy swinging things for jobs we didn't even have. Like we didn't even have a job and I'm just buying equipment. I'm like, well, we got to be a production studio, right? Like we need the production studio stuff. So I just bought everything, hired like six employees out of it with no customers. We had no customers and I had a staff of six and, and none of them were salespeople, by the way, they were all <laughs> staff. So we were ready though. That would be one yeah, thing we if it was three so ready. We were so ready. If somebody had knocked on our door, we would have crushed it. And then we went out of business like 16 months later, like just crash and burned. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's a great story though. Um, okay. On a different note, a lot of business centers are, you know, I don't know, especially now, just generally struggling with time, right? Having enough time to do everything. What advice would you give business owners who are struggling with not having enough time? Oh man, that is a big one. Time, time is a challenge. Um, you know, on one level, 
there's a, a compulsory need to feel like you got to get everything done. First off, that's the first thing that I got rid of was this need to feel like everything has to be done and just becoming okay with the fact that some things are actually going to fall through the cracks. And if it's important enough, hopefully somebody else will bring it up again later. You know what I mean? Like because right. it's just too much, especially at the beginning. I mean, we're in the same phase right now. I'm right back in startup mode, which I swore I would never do again. And here we are <laughs> trying to build a user base from scratch. Crap, stuff's falling through the cracks all over the place. Mm -hmm. And that's okay because we're going to grow and then we'll, we'll fix the, the pieces later. Um, you know, we, that's one piece of the puzzle. And the, the other piece is just becoming incredibly compartmentalized with your time. So, you know, I don't check email all day long. I don't log into social media unless I have to, for some very important reason, or if I'm on a break, I take breaks. You have to take breaks. I mean, like mm -hmm. you need to treat it like a job, not a, if I just keep running, I will get to where I need to go because you will collapse. You know, even the, the longest distance crazy runners who run 200 miles take breaks. They rest, they get water, they get food. You need to do that. So you have to keep yourself in check. That'll help with your time a lot. Um, and then seriously, minimum 15 minutes a day of thinking. You, you, will, you will find more efficient ways to do what you're doing if you stop doing them. And you know, people don't, they just, they just think that if I just keep running faster, I will get there, but that's just going to cost you more time in, in just getting sluggish. Right. I remember Sasha Strauss at one of the, I think it was the second EO, what was the, I forgot the conference we put together in California um, for the West, but he uh, challenged everybody in the room to go sit somewhere quietly for a half hour. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, totally. and I know you're going to be stir crazy and itchy and oh, I can't do this. Um, and he wanted you to increase that, but that was, you know, that was 15 years ago, maybe. And I still remember that and, and really challenging and going out and, and literally doing it that, you know, you take a pen and paper, but that's it. Yeah. Right. Um, nothing else, no other distractions, turn your phone off, all that other stuff. And uh, yeah, that's powerful. That's, that's great. Great advice. So what's your proudest moment in business of all the things you've done? Ah, oh, proudest moments. You know, it, it, everyone listening to this will understand the, the intense roller coaster <laughs> of, of the act of creating something from nothing, right? You're, you're literally like, like, you're like lifting it out and just like creating it on your shoulders and carrying it. And, and sometimes we forget to step back for a second and look around the room and actually take in what has happened and i remember it was with our last project and it was you know and yeah it was a non-profit and we built a school but it was still a business right i still had to raise money and had to raise hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars and then go like build the thing and hire the people and all these other components and it was it was exhausting and there was an event where we had the students showing off their projects to the community and so we invited a bunch of community partners and friends and people and some of our students you know they come from really rough households and they didn't have parents that were coming you know mom mom got drunk and called and said i can't make it tonight and you know we weren't really surprised but we had packed the room with people who were there to support and yeah i was running around and i was making sure everybody's taking care of it. and i was making sure i was talking to the donors and i was making sure that i was talking to this and then i took one second and i just stopped and I stepped back into the corner of the room and I just looked out over what was going on. And those are the moments you gotta go for. You know, it's not, it's not when you hit the million dollars in rev. It's a huge accomplishment. It is, it's hard to do. It's an amazing feeling. That's great. 
but then you're just going to be right on to like, right. Where's right. what's million? the next month? Yeah. Be? Where's my, yeah. where's my 5 million? You know, it's those, when I ran my last marketing agency um, before I sold it, I remember sitting around and having an office party and everybody had their significant others and they were all there and they were toasting and cheersing and hugging and telling stories and laughing. And I was kind of put myself in the back of the room and just looked and thought, man, all these people are together here because all the hard work that my partner and I did to, to do this, like, this is awesome. Like we are their career. <laughs> like how cool is that? Like that's such an awesome like responsibility and yet something so cool to have been a part of, you know, and, and those to me are the, the proudest moments. That's really, that's really cool. Thanks for sharing that. So what's the biggest thing you've learned recently that you wish you had learned, you know, 10, 20 years ago? Well, the 10 and 20 year ago, me was a little bit rambunctious, a little bit too crazy. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, we have a Trump I, story about that too. A Trump story? Trunk. Oh, trunk story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't that need to go even, into that here. That but... wasn't even 20 years ago. <laughs> no, um, no, it, it may or may not involve me getting in the trunk of an Uber. Um, I can <laughs> can neither confirm nor deny that that happened. No. Um, oh, my wife was pissed. Uh, <laughs> just like, what do you mean you got in the trunk of a car to go somewhere? What is wrong with you? Well, we ran uh, out of seats. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I wanted to get there. Um, it was just—it was just the next happy hour. It wasn't like we were actually going anywhere overly important. So, you know, lessons learned to today that I, I wish I had known. Um, I, I would say treating my employees as though they are my customers. Mm. So, not just being grateful for your staff, but going out of your way to do things for your team that are special. You know, like I used to spend so much time thinking about how do I, you know, you can make the company culture great. That's awesome and important. Uh, how do I help, you know, deliver some unique marketing thing to my, my customer so that they're wowed about it? Well, how do I wow my staff? Like, what do I do? I, I just, my, so I, you know, I just took over a company. That's a weird position to be in, right? I now have an employee who's one of the co-founders, um, you know, and, and so we're like partners. We're both at equity, but it's kind of weird because I came in as CEO and he was co-founder. And so there's a little bit of an odd moment there, right? Sure. Where, although he's not my employee, employee, I, you feel that kind of tension. And so he was talking about how, you know, he wants to be at the pirate phase of business right now where we're just, we're not the Navy, we're the, we're the pirate ships. We're going and we're tackling stuff. And we're, and I was like, oh, I love it, you know, and he loves Belgian beer. So I've been asking questions to learn a little bit about him and what he's interested in and, and mm -hmm. what he's about. And so I just ordered a, a Jolly Roger flag, a pirate flag, and I'm going to put uh, our logo on the flag. And then I got him a glass, just a beer stein with our logo on it. And I'm going to send him a nice Belgian beer that he would enjoy. And the, the you, glass and the flag, you know. And I'm well, you have to get, you have to get the parat. The what? Oh, the There's a Belgian Cinema. beer parat. Yeah, that's a good. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> that's that is, the perfect. That's Belgian what I'm going to do. There you go. See, I'm so glad that I came here today, Sturdy. <laughs> you helped me finish this package. But it, it's perfect. It's super individualized, right? It's like me saying, yes. "I appreciate you." And you are someone right. that I pay attention to. And I would say the earlier me focused simply on making company culture awesome. And mm -hmm. that, that would, that would then suffice the rest, be like a nice, good manager and a good leader and then make a good culture. And I think that there's room to take that a step further. That's, no, that's really cool. I, I love that. Yeah. And remember the Parat beer. Um, oh. 
Will you, can you share with us like a favorite business book of yours and why you think it, or maybe even something you're currently reading, um, yeah. but why it's important? What's important about it? So there's two that I want to share. Mm -hmm. um, I know you asked for one. Uh, but no, that's I, I, fine. I just, one I'm reading now, one I'm reading now, one of, one of my favorites of all time. So the one mm -hmm. of my favorites of all time is Influence by Dr. Okay. Robert Cialdini. Um, it is a phenomenal book about understanding how people make decisions. Like how, how do people process information and then take that information and make, take action on it is really important in any, any, any marketing, business development, you know, uh, selling to stakeholders, you know, anything, anytime that you have to position yourself and try to get a result from anybody, this book talks about the psychology behind it, the cognitive psychology behind how people make decisions. Um, fascinating book. It's one of my all time favorites. I just finished Blitzscaling. Blitzscaling, um, okay. Yeah, Blitzscaling. And Blitzscaling is, is one of those books that is about like literally how to scale to a billion dollars. And I'm gonna, I gotta look up the author because I literally like finished it like yesterday morning. So um, <laughs> I, I wanna make sure that I give the author due credit here so that you know. So it's the lightning fast pathway to building massively valuable companies by uh, the forwards by Bill Gates, Reed Hoffman's one of the authors, Chris Yee is one of the authors, authors. so, you know, Reed from Netflix, um, Chris from PayPal, and, you know, it's about bajillion dollar companies, like how to like hit the gas pedal, and they're like, oh, well, when your company's small, and you're still in the family stage at 100 employees, I'm like, family stage at 100 employees, what the hell's wrong with people? And he's like, you know, once you start getting bigger, and once you've got 1,000 people, then it gets a little more interesting, and then when you're at 10,000 employees, you really can start thinking, and I'm like, okay, now, I've never built a 10,000 employee co uh, a company and that's okay. The idea to push myself to adopt strategies that can grow my company in a, a way that can mimic mm -hmm. a company like that um, is an important strategy. Like sometimes you need to be pushed, not for just a BHAG, like having a big, huge, hairy, audacious right. goal is nice, but I'm talking about like structurally, what are you doing to just freaking hit the the pedal and just go. I love it. Okay, cool. I'll have to check those out. I'm not, I'm definitely not familiar with blitzscaling at all. Um, so what other business owners or CEOs uh, or business leaders would you like to acknowledge um, as a leader and should be a future guest on the podcast? Oh, there's so many, so many. I mean, EO I, alone, right, is all of them. Right. Um, <laughs> right. So I think you can send outside, me a list later. Yeah, out, outside <laughs> of the, the, the EO network, of which there are, are many, um, I, I would say Tyson McDowell. Tyson McDowell um, built a, a software company, sold it a few years back, now as a venture capital uh, guy down here in San Diego. Um, you know, his partner in his venture capital firm was Bill Gates CTO. So these, these guys are, are very legit. Tyson's super wicked smart, very, very quick, um, and has a keen eye for connecting dots and a passion for making a difference. So he's really on that like social impact cusping side of things cool. of how to make a social impact um, along with making a profit impact. And then Ryan Foland would be another one. Um, and so Ryan, uh, he's a professor. Uh, he talks a lot about authenticity and how to use authenticity in business development. So it's not just about like, oh, we need to be authentic, you know, which is important. And I understand that, but he's like, right. and that's how you're going to make a killing and make a ton of money. And that I really appreciate. Like, let's talk about why the authenticity should lead to the results and how that mechanism happens. Um, and that's right. his latest book. He's also a branding genius. So those are two that jump out 
right oh, away. Thanks. That's that's awesome. I love that too because yeah, the, there's got to be an application for this stuff. Yeah. Right. I mean, there. You know, pe people like to say there are no expenses in business; they're only investments. But I take that further to not just money, but your time, your effort, your emotional energy, all the rest of it. You know, if you're putting it into the business, what's the what's the return? in some yep. way, shape or form, what's the application? That's cool. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. Are there any other thoughts that you want to leave the audience with um, that we haven't hit on yet? You know, uh, something I've started doing recently, probably should have started a long time ago. Maybe a lot of the people listening are doing this right now, but I have started to check in with um, friends that I haven't talked with in a while to see how yeah. they're doing. And it's been cathartic for me too. I think that as a, a business owner, we sometimes lean in on our resilience and our ability to just power through. And during times like these right now, whether your business has been negatively impacted or not, your world has been completely changed. Changed, right. And it's okay to acknowledge that. You know, the other day I realized, I, I read some quote online and it just resonated so well that it's okay to be not okay. Like <laughs> right. we, we can't pretend like it's all okay. Even if business is doing well, it's not all okay. And then I took it a, another step and said, man, am I checking in with the people that have uh, come across me in my life that maybe I haven't talked to in a few years for whatever reason and just reaching out and saying, Hey, how you doing? You know, mm -hmm. it's just, just, we don't, we don't have to talk about anything heavy. Just want to say hi and just see, you know, see, hope you're doing well. And it's been, it's been good. That's cool. Yeah. Thanks. That's a, a great final kind of thought here to leave folks with, but I really, really appreciate being here, Jabez. We'll put the links and stuff to, especially to Applejacks and the book recommendations and stuff as well um, when we publish the podcast. So uh, check that out. And uh, thank you so, so, so much for doing this. It's awesome. Uh, thanks for having me, Sturdy. It's really good to see you. You too. Thank you for listening.